beginning transmission 78. FVZA, file under Halloween, part two. Hey, hey, hey. この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、この番組は、
prepare yourself, and your liver, for this week's drinking game. Remember it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously, and above all else, please drink responsibly. So mine is the uh, get off my lawn drinking game. Okay. Uh, every single time that Dr. Hugo Pecos belittles or talks down to his grandkids and says, tells them they're not ready or they're this, they're that, or they need more training, uh, take a drink. Maya, do you have a drinking game roll? Yeah, mine is the uh, feeding drinking game. Basically, anytime a zombie or vampire feeds, take a drink. Ah, that's going to fuck you up. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm calling mine the Coppola rule, which is every time you find out that a character is related, take a drink. Whew. Which is also reference the Coppola thing is the fact that Prince for Coppola and like his entire family are all over Hollywood, including Nick Cage. Nick Cage, and oh, there's a couple others. Um, Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman's actually yes. oh, yeah. a couple of as well. There's like a bunch of them. Anyway, Todd, what is your drinking game rule? Take a drink every time you expect Blade to come around the corner. Every time you're reading this book, I just find the art was very reminiscent of Blade 2, the gay Guillermo classic. The gay Guillermo. I don't know if he's gay or not, but Guillermo del Toro. He was like, yes. Guillermo. But the aesthetic really matches it well. So every time I'm reading this and I'm seeing these vampires, and it's just reminding me of Blade 2, I'm like, and Blade will be on the next panel. Take a drink. Well, before we subject you, our dear listeners, to actually reading said book, uh, we are going to take a vote as to whether or not us on the panel who have read the book think that it is worth your time and your money and your effort to read said book. Book for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Book for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Uh, we will start with the person whose vote I know what it's going to be, but we're going to ask anyway. Adam, what's your vote? Uh, yes, very much so, yes. Uh, and the cool thing is that if you get it on digital, it's like six bucks for the whole series. So, yes, highly recommended. And Maya. Absolutely. And like Adam said, you know, get it on digital is cheap because that's pretty, unless you find it used somewhere or like Amazon, it's the only way you're going to find it because the book is way out of print. Yeah. Because the, uh, the company that put it out no longer exists. So, yeah. Ah, that would explain it. That's Radiant Books, I think, is what my copy Radical. is. Radical. 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 Which, f- funny story about Radical is it was actually. Uh, well, they may still exist, they just haven't put out a book in years, but it was actually created by, like, two Hollywood producers with the intent of making comics to make movies off of. If you remember that Hercules uh, movie that The Rock was in a few years ago, mm-hmm. that was actually the that was actually the first book that they put out, was that Hercules book. That might explain a few things, because um, I was looking at a list of uh, movies that were based on comic books that you didn't know were actually based on comic books, and one of the books, or one of the movies that they claimed was based on a comic book was I, Frankenstein, but the book was never published, and I wonder if it was supposed to be published underneath that banner. I never looked at that, but that would make a lot of sense. It might have, and I, I wish, I wish, you know, that Hercules movie didn't do as bad as it did because we might have gotten other movies like FVZA, which I would have loved to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been fun. Well, Todd, you recommended this, but would you vote to read it again? I would. I did read it again, and it's still thoroughly <laughs> enjoyable. So yes. And my vote would also be a yes. So that is a, a a whole round of yeses for this book. Is there anything we feel like people should be forewarned about before they get into this book? The only thing I can I can give a warning at is that by the time you're done with it, you want to know more about this universe and where the story is going to go, mm-hmm. uh, and you only get the three episode arc. So that's yeah. my only thing that sucks is like you you really want to see where this is going and there's nowhere else to go. So, but it also mm-hmm. does tie it up fairly nicely as well in the story. That's not to say like that it doesn't have a satisfying ending. I mean, no, like, it, it does. It does have a natural ending point. However, yeah, you would like there to be more stories in this world. Yes. So. Well, then we will now give you, our dear listeners, the chance to take a uh, a little read through of the book if you want. If nothing else, you know, panning through the art is pretty impressive as well. Um, they don't actually have a colorist; they have a painter, as is credited in the book. Uh, so it has a it's it's 
pretty spectacular looking art as well, which makes it even more fun. So take a chance to read it and press pause if you're going to read it. If not, you may have already read it and then, you know, you get to listen to us babble on here in just a couple seconds, but we will see you after we get back from our break. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. So I'm looking at the uh, credits page for issue two. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that it says, based on the website, fvza.org, oh, yeah. created by Richard S. Dargan. And I went there, and it looks like it's a website that was created on GeoCities. I oh, love no shit. GeoCities. That an angel um, fire. It's, it's still updated as recently as September 10th. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of cars do vampires drive? But, like, if you look, if you go to, like, provisional FZ, FBZA, and you can go to, like, read report, or uh, agents... They have agents listed in each state. Wow. That is a lot of fun. So is it, like, evolving into, like, some sort of um, game as well? No, they're probably real crazy people just reporting vampire and zombie sightings. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you go to Utah, you've got investigators, you've got assault teams, you've got shadows, and you've got, like, emails that people you can get to, and, like, I kind of want to sign up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this wait, fbza.com, that's what it is. Org. Okay, I'm like, I'm at the wrong thing. If you're still in that provisional oh, FBZ page, uh, you can click on read all reports, and you can read, like, incidents, cases, Bucharest, Romania, January 1st, 2016. Huh, this thing is fascinating. Dedicated to Hugo Pecos. He died in 2015 according to this website. Yeah. You can buy gear. Oh, they have werewolves cases. on here, too, not just vampires and zombies. What? That must have been in the sequel. And then they have, like, reference on a bunch of stuff, including MTV, Dribble Glass. Oh, my God. Board at well, what's, what's really funny is, like, I, I didn't even think about looking this up. Like, last week when I was, when I was like, looking up the uh, synopsis for this, and I typed in FVZA. And if you Google it, this is actually the first thing that pops up, so. Oh, really? Yeah. 2001 is when the website went online. Oh, my God. Let's see how much of that footage I actually fucking used. Uh, okay, well, cool. <laughs> but keep going. There's a website about it, kids. That's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, there's a FVZA.org. Actually, I'm on the weapons page. It's like all the weapons you get, and it's got high concentration mace with the FVZA logo on it. Ooh. <laughs> I would because love to have that. There's a vir- because the- virtual academy. Ooh. Ooh. I can take... Aptitude tests about mm-hmm. vampire knowledge and zombie knowledge. Wow. You know, there's I a lot of finished. work on this thing. Someone's really put a labor of love in this. I'm impressed. Well, I mean, it's also been up for a couple of years. Like, if they do, like, two things a year, it's going to look like there's a shit ton of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, kids, go check out this website. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and we have been successfully derailed. Oh, my God. I do what I can. Okay. <laughs> You're walking along the shores of a secluded lake one night with a special friend when a vampire steps into your path. What do you do? One, turn and run the opposite direction. Two, confront the v- a vampire. Three, jump in the lake and swim to the middle of it. <laughs> we're, we're taking the test here, kids. What are we doing? I think we swim. I'm swimming. Swim? Yeah. Swimming? T- okay. I'll take my chances with the lake. Right. Vampires are not crazy about water. When submerged, they uh, lose uh, they lose what little body heat they have very quickly. Uh, that's not to say that they won't attempt to follow you into the water, but if you can stay out of their way long enough, they might leave you alone. Anyway, your best shot considering the circumstances. Okay, we got that one correct. Let's go to question two. I'm just down <laughs> <Two-year-old adventure. laughs> A vampire clamps itself to your neck and has begun drinking. What's the best way to get it off of you? One, poke your thumb into its eyes. <laughs> two, squeeze nostril shut. Three, stomp on its foot. Stomp on its foot. I'm gonna foot. go with two. I'm, I'm gonna go with two. Poke its eyes. Squeeze its nostril shut. Okay, me and my both go squeeze. Not we're, that's okay. two of us. We'll see if we're right. No, we are wrong. It's a bad idea. Except a vampire can gulp breaths th- even through its mouth when feeding. Okay, well, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, someone said poke thumb into eyes. No, who said poke thumb into eyes? That was me. This is a bad idea. When a vampire is clamped on your neck, it will be difficult for you to get enough leverage to make this work. For a feeding vampire, some of the eye qualifies as a minor inconvenience. So Todd wins with stomp on its foot. Yay! A sharp strike to the foot might be enough to make the vampire unlock and buy you time for an escape. Remember, vampires have functional nervous systems and feel pain like we do. Try to strike down sharply at the center of the foot with your heel. My God, this is like so amazing. This That's fantastic. So but whenever you have the option, yeah, I guess it sounded like uh, your three different choices of the three stooges, you know, as they just hit <laughs> each other. Is, yeah. 
It's like, let's do three Stooges moves right there. Okay, we're going to do one more in the walk to get on with the show. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've identified a vampire pack hiding in the basement of an abandoned mill. When uh, is the pack most vulnerable for an extermination? One, midday when uh, the pack is sleeping. Two, early in the morning, shortly after the pack arrives back to the base after a successful night of hunting. Or three, early in the evening as the pack stirs for another night of hunting. I think typically you would go with one midday. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, okay, we're going to go with midday. Yeah. No, on the surface, this might seem like an obvious choice, but the fact that vampires are light sleepers who can awaken the slightest noises, smells, and sounds uh, and assume fighting mode in an instant. Additionally, most veteran packs take turns uh, on uh, sentry duty, making it difficult for agents to sneak up on them. Okay, so the most second one would be at night right when they wake up because they're hungry and they haven't eaten yet. And I'm thinking early afternoon, but I'm going to go with yours, Adam, since you spoke up. You are wrong as well, sir. Uh, this actually would be the worst choice because the pack rising from its day's sleep is hungry, and when a vampire is hungry, they're the most alert and most aggressive. So, okay, so number two. Wow, we would so fail as SBZ agents. <laughs> yes, feeding as fuck, narconizing. I think I said that right. Effect on vampires. They become sluggish when their senses and their senses are dulled. A well-fed pack on uh, often will return to its base and sit around in a stupor for an hour or two before rousing to make the sentry arrangements for the coming day. This makes a highly vulnerable and easy to sneak up on. Okay, well, there you go, kids. We here on the panel would be shitty FBZ agents. We're all going to die. <laughs> well, except for when it comes to uh, getting away from vampires in water. Yeah, we, right. we, we all know to go swimming. That, that We got one out of the three questions we and answered. hopefully we can swim. So. Yeah, so just call us all Reek or Theon and we're good to go. <laughs> oh, danger! Jump uh, in the water! So, while he's getting ready for that, the covers, by the way, for this book and the art, do we want is amazing. Oh, the art is fantastic. I, I, yeah. We'll talk about that more later, but yeah. So. Lightning round begins now. Okay. So, we open up and there's this uh, lady saying, I'm sorry, Grandpa. I'm so sorry. And he's like, Laundra, my child, you know, why are you doing this? And he's like, I taught you to do this. I have to do it. And she's saying like, oh my God, I don't want to do this, but I have to. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And so he reminds her about the story he told her as a kid about how this uh, woman fell in love with a vampire. The vampire came in and killed her family. And then it kind of flashes back to showing the grandfather teaching uh, Landra. And what is her brother's name? It's Vidal, isn't it? Vidal, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you see, uh, basically, Grandpa's showing uh, Landra and Vidal about the history of vampirism and zombieism and explains kind of the Old West history about how there were these outbreaks and how everyone... Went through, took over, killed them all. They've created the FVZA, and in a way, it's a way to kind of eradicate zombies and everything else. We learned that World War II, the Nazis were horrible and infected all the Jewish people in concentration camps with the uh, either vampires or zombies. Uh, they go through. We show him. He's training the kids basically how to kill zombies and fight them. <clears throat> they, he hires someone to pretend to be a vampire to attack the grandkids, and they uh, V freaks out. He's like, "Oh my God, why would you do this?" He's like, well, I have to teach you. He's like, but you could have killed him. He's like, no, 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 you're crazy. And basically the whole thing is that, you know, they've created a vaccine which gets rid of all the vampires and zombies, so they don't exist anymore. So, like, you know, why are we being trained? This isn't going to happen. And Grandpa's like, no, they're going to come back eventually, so we have to do it. Uh, anyways, we go to somewhere like New York or something, and you see we've got these goth emo kids who are pretending to be vampires. And they meet this dude who's like, oh, come home with me, and we'll play vampire. Kind of find out that they actually is a vampire and he turns two girls into vampires and they notice that they've gone and killed all their friends and like oh my god what happened not horrible uh and then there's this uh zombie outbreak that happens in tennessee it's like someone poisoned the water supply so it shows all these horrible things of people turning into zombies um but then there's one anomaly where there's a mother and her two kids who became zombies but she's being protective of them which doesn't really happen because zombies don't have brains you see a really gross scene of them eating a person uh news gets out to uh, Dr. Pecos and his kids saying yes, this happened. He gets a call from the government saying we're going to revive the FVZA. I want you to come in and help us out. So they go to Los Angeles and we see there's this, we're assuming it's probably a vampire because it's all wrapped up in, in a wheelchair and gets all horny when it sees a kid with a skin knee. And then it kills someone and then you go back and the kid's are like, yeah, we know there's vampires, we gotta go take care of them. They switch back to LA and that one guy who was a vampire, we find it really is, goes and confronts the dude who turned the goth chicks into vampires. And he's like, I do what I want, ha ha. And he's like, no, I'm gonna rip your fucking throat out. And then decides to kill him. So book two opens up and we see they're on a zombie raid. The people in the government, they're fighting zombies, killing them, it's all gross. 
grab us lectures, Vidal and Laundra, so drink because they weren't paying attention enough. You go back there and you see Laundra's getting hit on by this guy named Casey, who's one of the guys in the FEZA. And you look over and you see that everyone's cheering on because they've got a room full of zombies and they're playing music because the zombies can, like the very, very like core lizard brain they have still react to music and they dance. And so everyone's joking and uh, Laundra's like, no, that's horrible, don't do that. Um, they look over and see like, hey, there's this mom with their two baby zombies, kids and she's taking care of them, she's like grooming them, like picking the maggots off them, it's all really gross. Then they go in and decide, nope, this can't happen, so they burn them alive, and they're like, why'd you do that? And he's like, oh, because they need to be killed, they're not really people, he's like, we were learning from them, something could have been happening. Uh, and then we find out there's this detainee who was picked up, he's in one of the rooms, and it looks like he was the one who was planning to go poison the water supply, uh, because he's been infected and has the serum that's going to, like, kind of keeps him alive. But it's not working because they haven't given it to him and he's been in there for a couple days. And basically he tells them that, oh yeah, there's this one vampire who uh, is planning to do this and attack the whole world and turn everyone to zombies. Oh no. So the FEZA goes to where the zombie was, or the vampire was, we find out they're all dead because that big scary vampire killed them all. So they're going in there and they're back in the place and the guy's turning into a zombie. He's like, well, it's all going to work now, uh, but I'm not going to kill you because you're still human and I can't do that because that would be wrong. be murder. So he leaves my knife so the guy can kill himself. And all of a sudden, the grandpa is like, oh my god, it's Nephilus. And we're like, who the fuck's Nephilus? And we go see that Nephilus is kind of like the head of the whole vampire um, cabal. And that she's the one who's got enough of the zombie serum to go and poison the whole world. Uh, we find out later, we see that Casey and Londra are having sex. And then she gets all weird about it. She's like, no, no, we can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And then her brother's like, oh no, like, why are you doing this? this isn't right. And then she's like, I did it for myself, I don't care. Grandpa talks about they're in the desert, it's the best place to be if you don't want to be turned into a vampire because there's sun everywhere, and that's the worst thing that a vampire could ever, ever deal with. There's a vampire attacking a dude in New York, getting torn to pieces. Uh, one of them's like, no, we should be ruling people, we shouldn't be hiding. And Nephilus is like, no, you're arrogant, you're dumb, stupid. Um, we find out that there's the one who's doing that actually was in love with someone who and they both turned to vampires and he went up and walked into the sun because he couldn't handle being a vampire anymore and she freaks out so she goes up there finds out he's still alive uh, tries to kill him because he knows that he's in pain uh, the next day back at FAZA Laundra and Casey are arguing and um, Casey's like hey let's, you know come talk to this we got a, a vampire came in they're like what so you find out it's the chick vampire who was in love with the guy and she came in to tell them exactly what was going to happen as far as with Nephilus releasing the zombie virus. And they show the, the dead vampire that Nephilus killed, and he's like, oh, I know that is. And she's familiar with him. Uh, and then we go and we find out that Yalis, let's go by Nephilus, was uh, Dr. Pecos's wife. And they're like, what? And then it ends up saying, dun, dun, dun. Exactly right. Yalis is over there, and she's feeding on a guy, and her second command, Chaucer, comes in, and says, oh, look, we found this guy, he was dead. Um, it's like his, girl, his vampire girlfriend killed him and we can't find her now, so then we flew to FVZA, and because they're assholes, and even though the vampire came forward and was nice, they still torture her to make sure that she's telling the truth, when she actually was. Uh, and then the government's like, oh, everything's not good, because this new zombie virus we don't have a cure for, so if it gets out there, we're all fucked. And basically, when we go on this thing, make sure that uh, nothing happens. If you're bitten, if you're scratched, anything happens to you, you will turn, and we were gonna, just going to blow your head off, because there's nothing we can do for you, so be careful out there. They go in there, and boom, immediately someone gets attacked, and it's kind of flashing back, saying you watch your partners, and we find out that Casey was supposed to go on uh, Laundra's team, but she got pissed and said no. So uh, V decides to go with him, and we find out that's actually going to have bad things happening, because, uh, of course, comics. And then Grandpa Pecos tells the story about how uh, his wife was infected, and he should have killed her, but he didn't because he loved her. He helped her get away, and now she's gone and become this huge head of the vampires, and he blames himself pretty much for everything that's happened, because in a sense it is kind of his fault because he let her go. Now the team goes into the sewers to go find the vampires. They kill one of them, but unfortunately he scratched a guy, so Laundra just blows his head off because that's what you have to do. Casey leaves to go find Laundra because they can't get a hold of her team, and then V goes with him. Uh, in the end, you see that Laundra's already to fight Galus, who is her grandma, she just doesn't know well, her grandma and they're fighting blah 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 she stops the blade pulls her aside attacks her and then uh, basically they have a heart to heart where she, expl she explains hey I'm your granddaughter and they're like yay not really <laughs> um, but they're doing all that and then Yale is like oh he never told you and she's like never told me what but before they can Chaucer comes in with her brother and you see that uh, he'd been killed and Gale is like oh no that's your that's my grandson no uh, and he's still alive, will be turned, so she gets pissed and kills Chaucer, or tries to. Then Casey comes in, shoots him, and then Casey gets out, and we find out that he still has 
Londra, so then Grandpa has to go and save the day. So he walks into the whole thing, and they have a sweet reunion, and they're talking, and uh, she's saying, like, hey, I told you years ago I want to make you a vampire, let's still do it. And then we find out that she's actually been saying, like, oh, I'm in charge, Chaucer, who's my second command, is an idiot, doesn't have a brain in his head, and then he comes in, gets all pissed off, and says, oh, you know, you've this and that, and she's like, no, you bore me, you're stupid, and so Grandpa kicks Chaucer in the nuts, because that's what you do to vampires. And then finally she goes and puts a sword through Chaucer's head and kills him, or we think he kills him. And kind of then, then she goes through, starts killing the humans, takes Hugo and Wandra captive, they escape, the building blows up, kills all the bad vampires. Uh, anyways, they go out into the desert and basically uh, says, I'm gonna turn you into a vampire, and Grandpa's like, no, no, I don't want this, and then Beelis is like, we never told her what happened. Uh, you come to find out that actually uh, her grandfather had actually killed Londra's parents because they had been bitten, almost turned. So as punishment, Yelis goes ahead and bites his neck and, you know, drinks his blood, and then he's like, so he's going to turn into a vampire, and then gets away. Well, that takes us back to the beginning of the book where he's sitting there and he's on his knees, and she's like, he's like, no, don't do this. She's like, no, I have to. He's like, well, remember what the end of the story was that I was telling you at the very, very beginning? And we come to find out that what happened was that before... So the original story was the vampire who killed the girl's parents. Um, before he turned her into a vampire, she drank a bunch of poison. So that when he bit her, he would die because he drank poisoned blood. And essentially he says, that's what I did. I drank a bunch of poison so that Yalis, when she bit me and drank my blood, she'll eventually die. So they go back to the little cabin in the middle of the desert. And he kind of sits there and dies. And then it shows that Yalis, when she's feeling what's going on, she hops back in the car and is trying to get back to basically die with him. And crashes her car somewhere and they find her almost close to the place. And then Wanda's sitting there being sad as her grandpa dies and looks at a picture of her mom and dad and just wonders if maybe Yale still loved her grandfather and the end. Side note, the aptitude test of whether or not you could be in the FCA is 35 questions. I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> I'm so glad you were listening to all that. I was listening to all that, but I was also like, I'm just curious as to how long this test is. So I, want to keep <laughs> I heard Todd clicking on it as well, and I'm like, Todd's doing something. Clicking along. Clicky, clicky. Also, Adam, you texted me a few times that you were in love with this book. You want to kind of mm -hmm. start us out and tell us what you were thinking? Uh, I mean, just everything about it. The, the you know, I, I'm a huge, I love vampire mythology. And with as much as we've had the whole Sparkle Fairy, Twilight Vampire kind of in the in pop culture over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. it was really cool to kind of get back to the roots of this evil, demonic creature. Kind of, kind of almost more like we've, we've seen with The Strain recently. Mm -hmm. And, um... It was cool to kind of get back to that roots and see a really fun story based on the old school zombie and vampire mythologies. But everything about it is just great. I mean, the characters are interesting. The artwork's phenomenal. And you know I'm not really normally an art person, but every single page, everything just kind of leaps up at you and just it's it's really in your face and, and gritty and real and, and beautiful to look at. The writing's superb. And it, it did a great job of world building without spending, you know, because maybe because it was just a short three-issue run, they didn't have you know, the luxury of taking three issues to build this world up and then, and then tell the story. They had to do it within the first three or four pages. Like when it kind of gave you the history of the vampires and zombies in the US and how we took over them and then how we found the cure, but then there was World War II. So you've got this really realistic world that could exist and they did it all in the first book. And uh -huh. it was concise, it was to the point. And the greatest praise I can give it was after this was over when I sat back and like, I, I mean, it's. It's only three issues, it's about 130, 40 pages. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're, they're decently long issues, but I wanted more. I wanted to know more about this world. I, it's, it, unlike when we read 30 Days of Night, where I didn't give a shit at the end, this one I want to see where it goes. You know, what, you know, Wander's all alone now. Like Her, her whole family is dead and, and killed off the vampires. There are still vampires out there, so what's going to happen? You know, Obviously, they destroyed all the zombie stuff, but words, you know, there's, I'm sure there's still people out there trying to make it or release it out there. Um, show me more. So that's the highest praise I can give something was that. I want to know what happens next, and it's really sad that there is no next. Or now, you never know. I do happen to know if like these guys on this uh, who wrote and illustrated this books ever went on to do anything else. Uh, well, David Hine, the writer, did a bunch of stuff for Marvel. He hasn't done it anything recently that I can remember. Uh, the artist I'm not familiar with, like David <coughs> Hine, I know did um, like right after after House. Of, the thing that I remember the most is like right after House of M, he did some stuff for Marvel. I did Spider-Man Noir, did Civil oh, yeah, War X-Men. That's right. He also he says he did uh, Arkham Asylum. It was Arkham Reborn. It, yeah, I'm just looking at like the description that you would get off Amazon or whatever, mm -hmm. and it says that you know, uh, written by comic superstar David Hine, and it has those three books. So Arkham Asylum okay. was listed on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on his uh, 
comic book DB page. Uh-huh. Arkham Reborn is the book. Arkham Asylum was okay. Grant Morrison. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, he did a, he did some Civil War tie-ins for uh, Marvel. He did a little bit of Batman, like two issues. He's been here and there. He's never done anything that I've really disliked, but uh, mm-hmm. he's he to me he's never been someone that's been like a superstar writer either. But he's he's always done stuff that I've been like that's a fun book. I like that. I enjoyed that book. This book was one of them. I I agree with Adam. I, I got a very Blade slash The Strain vibe from this book as I was reading it. I really enjoyed it. I liked. Uh, I I do want to see more, just like Adam said. It's a shame that there is very little chance that we'll never get more. So what I really enjoyed about it is, um, I remember buying this a long time ago, and it kept sitting on my shelf because when I was, I think I got this at like Barnes and Noble, and I thought the pre- pictures were pretty, and I wanted to get into it, but it probably sat on my shelf a good year or two pretty. before I finally read it. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, as macabre and scary and gross and horror-filled it is. These are also hauntingly beautiful in many of those, especially some of this cover art is absolutely gorgeous. As much as anything, it reminds me of the, the painting style. I mean, it's got a touch of Alex Ross because it's painted. So, and it's just gorgeous in that regard. But when I did read it, I mean, it's got a, it's a great full story. Everything is answered and, but it's legitimately scary at the same time. Oftentimes, like even Alien Defiance, that was a great action story. I wouldn't quite put it in the horror genre, but there's a lot of things here that is straight up in the horror genre, and I thought it was great. I mean, it was sexy and scary and disturbing and just pulled all those things, and I'm just looking at a cover art there. And yeah, Blade 2 got a lot of... Well, I guess this came after Blade 2. Damn, we've been alive for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, you take... this, came after, this came after Blade 3. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, but it very much fits in. But it it looks great, and it would fit right in there of a hardcore, scary vampire, and the sparkly vampires would meet these guys, turn around, and run away. So yeah, when uh, Halloween came up again, it's like let's read this one again, cause just dive back into it, and it leaves you wanting more for good and bad, I guess, cause there isn't gonna be any more. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Just that curiosity, cause you said scary, and I'll be honest, like I like, there's a lot of things I like about this book. I didn't necessarily find this book scary uh-huh. either. Sure. But I haven't really found the two comic books that we've read. The show I haven't found scary. What are people thoughts? Like, is comic books the right form for scary? Like, I, I think you can do suspense mm-hmm. and things like that, but I, I just don't find it like to be scary like you would you would see in a movie. And maybe it's just because I I've watched a shit ton of horror movies. I know all the plots, but I don't know. Like, I want to get a, everybody else's opinion on it. Like, it's. I don't know if I've read a comic book that literally scared me. You know what I mean? Uh, one of our upcoming books that we're doing scared the hell out of me. Which one is Severed? that? Severed, yeah. Yeah, Severed is okay. creepy as fuck. That's actually next week, so we'll, yeah. we'll see if that works out. Okay. You know, as, as much as this kind of could be considered like a horror comic, because that's more the genre, mm-hmm. it's not a scary comic. In fact, when we get to our grades on Scare I'm going to give it a relatively low score because it wasn't frightening. But yeah, there are... There are comics out there that can push the envelope that are just that give you the willies and kind of make you look over your shoulder. For me, like Sever did it. Uh, I know with uh, Eddie, when he read Crossed, he had nightmares <laughs> afterwards because that book fucked him up. So I think there are some out there that can do that, but sometimes like reading a novel, like, you know, if you're reading like Stephen King's It, which we just saw the movie, yeah. which was fantastic, I think maybe the reason why that can be scarier than a comic is because my imagination is always 10 times worse than what they can show me on page or in a movie or anything else. So when you're reading something and you're having to come up with your own images and your own thoughts of what's going on or what things look like, to me that's scarier than being presented with like, oh hey, here's what it is. Mm -hmm. And you can't really do like a jump scare with comics. I mean, you can have, you can set up atmosphere and everything else, but you're, I mean, you you can always see what's coming to the next page. It's not going to surprise you. So I think it's really, really difficult for a comic to in fact be scary. That being said, it can happen and it's gonna happen next week, but, I, I don't see this as being a scary comic as much as it is a horror comic. Okay. Well, and I know that this plays into my bias because of what I do for a living, but I think the other thing that films have over comics is sound. Uh, creepy music and sound effects and whatnot really, I think, can sell horror more than almost anything else. I think that that's where comics are lacking because I think you can put horrific images. You can emulate the experience of like a, a slasher or, you know, torture porn type, you know, movie in comics, but getting that suspense, I think a lot of that's driven from the sound. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's missing in comics, but that's, I know that that's also partially my personal bias. Well, no, and I, and I can see that, and again, that's, mm-hmm. and, and sound does play a huge role. I mean, uh, you, you take a movie scene and you, like, let's say remove the sound or sound effects, or you change the score up, or you even change the key of the song, and yeah. you're gonna have a completely different experience than 
Um, if, like, for instance, like, you know, the, the greatest example is go to YouTube and look up the Imperial March, which is the, the Empire's theme song from Empire Strikes Back, but look it up in a major key instead of a minor key, and it becomes this uh -huh. happy, uplifting, like, parade song, like, yay! And it loses all its ominousness and everything else because you do one little change, and that completely adjusts the scene and makes the mood so different. Well, I think that's the same thing as, like, you could illustrate this book differently and have it be just an action film. You know what I mean? Like, if it... I think if the art, I think the art does sell this a little to an extent because like the plot is good and it's solid, but like if it had sort of maybe like and I love his work, but like more of a Scotty Young type art on it, it would definitely be a very different book. You know what I mean? Like it would be more for those of you who don't know Scotty Young, he does like very cartoonish uh, type things. Uh, he has a book out right now called I Hate Fairyland, which I've recommended. I think on this book, mm -hmm. I think Todd also read it yeah. and dug it as well. Oh, um, but it's it's a fun book. Uh, I just I just got word Len Wein, the guy who created uh, Swamp Thing, just died. Oh no! Oh, he made Swamp Thing, uh, Wolverine, and he's done everything. He's done everything. He edited Watchmen. Um, yeah, he just, just passed away. He was only sixty nine. Sorry, I just I just got a text about it from uh, Big Shiny Robot, like about it. I was like, oh shit, who's this? And I was like, oh fuck, it's just like crazy important comic person. <laughs> Then maybe we all need a drink. Behold, Mr. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boom. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics transform! This one's called The Undertaker. It is an opaque, opaque black cocktail that features, it's got, um, it's coffee and um, Kahlua in it with some vanilla vodka as well. So it's a nice, um, black black drink so you put in your three ounces of vanilla vodka ounce of Kahlua and one ounce of creme de cacao in a shaker you shake the shit out of it pour it into a martini glass and then do an ounce of chilled espresso and then just stir that with a swizzle stick and enjoy so you've got this cold black caffeinated boozy drink so the real challenge to this is it kind of creeps up on you on how much booze you're drinking so but it's good. I enjoyed it. Mine is from the actual the Don the Beachcomber um, who is actually out here in Long Beach as an original tiki bar. It's from their 1934 cocktail book, and they actually never, they didn't often give out the entire recipe. Um, and so this, I don't know if this is a recreation or not, but I got this from the PDT uh, book. But this is the zombie punch. Uh, so I think it's a semi-punch version of the classic zombie cocktail, but it is one and a half ounces of Appleton Estate Reserve Rum, uh, one and a half ounces of Bacardi 8 Rum, one ounce of Lemon Heart Overproof Rum, that's a lot of rum, 0.75 ounces of lime juice, a half ounce of John D. Taylor's Velvet Falernum, a half ounce of Tiki or Trader Tiki's Dawn's mix. Part of that whole backstory is that some of those mixes they would create in the back and not give the, all the bartenders the recipes for, and they would just use those mixes in it, so that's how a lot of people never knew all of the recipes. Uh, and then we have one bar spoon of House Grenadine, uh, one eighth tablespoon of Vauponfer Absinthe. Holy, uh, look at our website for the actual name of the absinthe. One dash and, uh, of bitters. Uh, you shake with ice and strain into a chilled tiki glass filled with pebbled ice. And you garnish with a mint sprig. But uh, yeah, pretty fun little cocktail. Uh, Maya, do you have a cocktail for us? I do. I found a cocktail called the Zombie Brain Hemorrhage. Ooh. Uh, what it is, it doesn't have actual um, amounts. It doesn't have actual amounts. Um, but basically, it's a shot. First, you want to pour peach schnapps into a shot glass about half full. Then pour a splash of cream de menthe in next, and uh, the cream de menthe will actually sink to the bottom. Next, you're going to pour a little bit of Bailey's. Uh, it says here the in the recipe, you know, uh, they like to do a clean layer. You may prefer to gently pour, uh, pour it in for more of a mixed brain effect. And then just before serving, you splash, pour a splash of grenadine in the middle of the shot glass. It'll drag some of the Bailey's down, causing a curdling effect. But it looks like a, a weird brain Ooh. right before you drink it. That's and, uh, almost identical to the zombie brain hemorrhage I said last week, actually. But yours has uh, creme de menthe in it. <laughs> But most, like, I almost did it because, like, most of the brain hemorrhage drinks are fairly similar in concoction, but yeah. Cool. Adam, do you have a cocktail? Yeah, so mine is just called The Plague. Uh, what you do is you get a pint glass, you fill it with ice, uh, and then you add these uh, alcohols in order. Uh, it's really, it's going to end up being really sweet, and you don't stir at the end, so that's, that's what you do. It's going to kind of change flavors as you go. Uh, so you do two shots of Malibu, uh, one shot of peach schnapps, one shot of sour cherry liqueur, Half a shot of sour apple liqueur, a half a shot of sour raspberry liqueur. Raspberry! And then you top it off with lemonade as needed. Uh, you garnish with a wine, a lime wedge. And again, don't stir it, that way it kind of changes flavors as you're going through it. 
Does anybody else have anything else they want to really bring up and discuss on this book before we kind of move on to final grades? I think we all kind of felt no, the same it's about like it. It's it's a relatively simple story like it's kind of straightforward it's not like there's not a lot of in-depth stuff to go into you know what i mean it's it's fun and it's cool but like it's not like it has like a, a lot of deeper meaning to it you know what i mean well, no so, and, and as Maya was saying that this came out of a, a, a comic creators that was built to make movies film, yeah. and this yeah. is kind of like i would love to see this movie this is a movie i think yeah. should exist and yeah um so yeah you can you de- it definitely has a, a more cinematic feel to it than a lot of the books we've read recently it almost is a film treatment with then the you know um, storyboards attached to it. Like this, you could film this tomorrow and have a solid movie yeah. done and ready to rock and roll. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. So fucking done. God, please, no! 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 We will start with uh, literature, our, our English class, we might say. So, uh, writing, uh, let's start with Maya. You know, even though I really liked it, it was still kind of basic and straightforward. I'm going to give it a solid B+. I'm agreeing with you, so I'm going to jump in and say B plus as well. Same reasons. I'm right there with Maya. Todd, what is your grade? You know, I'll also give it a B, B plus in that regard. It is, um, it's exactly what it sets out to be, and it does a good job at it. So, yeah. And Adam? Uh, yeah, I'm a B, B plus too. Again, it's it's not the smartest writing out there, but it does its job, and it's also concise in where we're not, like when we read uh, Powers, where the whole page was just filled with nonstop word bubbles. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't need that, and it, it, it accomplishes what it sets out to do. Well, that, that's also every Brian Bendis book. Yeah, every single yeah, well, book. <laughs> we, we discussed the that Bendis ad nauseum. Yeah, the Bendis bubble run. But that was like that was like Bendis gone to the extreme. It was like, oh no, bad Bendis. No, rub his nose in it. <laughs> no, we do bad that puppy. outside. Bad puppy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then I know we'll have higher grades on this one, but uh, art. Uh, we'll start with Todd. You know, I'm going to give this an A. It's fantastic. It's what really drew me to it. And it's just one of those, what comics can be art-wise, that people says, oh, it's just a silly pulp thing. Where's the artistic side of it? And you can pull this guy out and says, look at this. And they're like, oh, this looks really good. And I'm like, it does. It's great. So yeah, I give it an A. Jeremiah? Uh, I'm also giving it an A. I'm, I'm a fan of the painted style, and when it's not done correctly, it looks awful. But when it's done good like this, it looks amazing and uh, really contributed to the tone and the feel of the book. Uh, Adam? Uh, a as well. Yeah, I'm not always a big art person. Uh, that's that's not where I go to first. I'm more about plot and, and dialogue. But yeah, the painted style is beautiful. The covers themselves I almost want to have framed and put in my house because they're that gorgeous. And every single image pops off the, off the page and pulls you in, makes you part of the story, and it's 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 fantastic. I'm fluctuating between an A and an A-, minus because everyone gave it an A. I'm going to go with A-, minus just to be a little bit contrary. You contrary I, son of a bit. Dick. Well, I just I do think it's great. I, I I've seen some other really amazing work um, as well, and I think that pairs. But I I don't know. I'm I'm being a little bit just contradictory, just to be contradictory. So, so what you're yeah, saying is it's, it's it's good painted style, but it's no Alex Ross. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that's actually that's actually fair. That, you know what I mean? And, and plus, um, I mean, you know, Brian prefers Bob Ross. So I do prefer some Bob Ross. Who I love doesn't? that that fro. Yeah. The happy little vampire right over I here. Think, I think just even in other comic book styles, I've just seen some books where, like, I think the art is just a hair better. Um, I think, I mean, it's just really solid and really well connected. It's just, Mm -hmm. there's just a hair missing for me. It's just a little off the mark. That's why I kind of fluctuate between A and A minus. So So um, it's really funny you're doing this because Andy and I do the same thing on Board of Sale. We're like, I'll give a movie an 8 and he'll give it like a 7.5 and he has to explain like why he's apologizing for giving it like a little bit less of a score. I, I know, mean, I know. Obviously you liked it. Mini minus is great. <laughs> I know, it's yeah. true. It's true. But, you know, that's how it goes. Okay, well, so since we are in the month of October and this is Halloween time, we're going to get our, our scary grade. Todd, what's your scary grade? You know, I'm going to give this a scary grade of a B plus. I mean... It's, um, and pure, like, am I scared scared? Maybe not, as you guys have been talking about, but it definitely has a great creepy vibe, and I wouldn't want to meet any of these guys in a dark alley. I, I think for me, the, <laughs> the sewer scenes are probably the creepiest. Those, mm-hmm. the, the darkness and them kind of around, I think those are probably the most effective that way. And since I'm already babbling on about it, I think uh, I'll probably go with the B-minus 
Um, I think it is. It, th those those scenes alone are are pretty good and creepy. I still think that there there might be better way of getting scary out of comic books. Uh, we'll go with Adam. Uh, I'm gonna C minus. I didn't find this book scary at all. I mean, definitely I wouldn't want to meet these characters in a back alley, but. At the same time, I, I would have no trouble reading this book alone by myself in a haunted house. Like, it it okay. didn't bug me one bit. Uh, Maya? Uh, I'm going to go in between you and Todd with a solid B. Um, okay. Just because it, it was scary to me in the sense that of thinking about if something like this actually were to happen. Like how mm -hmm. fucked we'd be. Um, yeah. and, and just thinking about it, applying it to if it were to happen in real life, that kind of scares me more than actually reading it. But because it made me think that way, uh, I'm going to give it a B. Final all-around grades, Maya, since we already have you talking, what's your final overall grade? B+. Anything else you want to add to that? Or uh, I, I think I've said it all. I mean, enjoyed the writing, enjoyed the art, kind of creeped the hell out of me. Uh, spend your money on it. Support it. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe if it sells well enough digitally, <laughs> we'll, we'll get that sure. movie. This is a there call to arms to everyone that listens to this. Go buy it digitally. There we go. Uh, Adam, what's your uh, final grade? Uh, I'm going to do minus. I really like this book a lot. Uh, it was it was fun. It was entertaining. Uh, it told a story over a, a short period of time and you know wrapped it up with a little bow on the end. It does it does leave you wondering what happens next. And again, like I, I really wish we could be getting more of this because I want to know more about this world or I want to see a movie or like a TV series. I mean, there's there's just a world ripe for the picking here, and there's so much lore and backstory and things that you could you know jump around in. So. Uh, yeah, and, and again, for for six bucks on digital, it, it's it's easily worth the admission price. So go pick this up and read it. It's fantastic. I'm gonna go with a B plus. I think overall it's above average. I think it's definitely a fun read and definitely worth your time. There are sometimes things that are a little bit better in general in the comics world, but I think for a fun Halloween book, this is actually definitely up there. It's very entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, Todd, what is your final grade? You know, there was a famous film worker that said. Um, a good movie is three good scenes, no bad scenes in it. And I think this definitely is. Um, everything was done well, and I can't really point at it. It's like, you know, this book was really good, but this part stunk. I can't point at anything that stinks. So it's an A- minus because it was tight, and it did everything well it set out to do. The art's top-notch. The writing, though not the best in the world, there was nothing wrong with it, and it did a great job. So, yeah, A-. minus. And that takes us to the end of our time where we get to discuss the random crap that we are currently into. Uh, recommendations. And now it's time for recommendations. That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're a stamp tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Uh, anybody have something they're dying to get off the chest? So I, I don't know if it's going to still be up when this airs, uh, but uh, one of my favorite webcomics is Cyanide and Happiness. Mm -hmm. And it was cool. They actually came to Comic Con a couple years ago, and they did a, a custom uh, thing uh, drawing for me, and it was hilarious. So I have it somewhere. Uh, but right now they're doing a Kickstarter because they did a, a board game that was kind of okay. But they're creating a uh, point-and-click adventure game, kind of like Monkey Island, mm -hmm. uh, based in the Cyanide and Happiness world, uh, and it's still on Kickstarter. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Uh, and they're, they've already hit their goal, so they're just doing stretch goals now. But uh, it's supposed to come out, I think, March of next year. I think it's like 15 bucks to get a digital download for the game. But if, it, if the video they show and everything they're doing is any kind of you know, hint of what the final game's going to be like, it should be a blast. I mean, because these guys are hilarious. And just and obviously, they've already hit their goal. But still go support them and uh, get the game when it comes out for cheaper. Todd? Um, I started reading a comic book called Haunt by Robert Kirkman, and it's a fun read. It's got basically two people possessing one body. One's a uh, normal dude, and the other is like this spirit, evil sp possessor guy that takes over, the zombie type thing. It's a lot of fun. He also has a, a fun book called Outcast about exorcism and demons and yeah. stuff like that, which has also been turned into a TV show. I say it's not coming yet. I know they're they're working on it. There, there's already on like a couple seasons. There's a funny. Oh, okay. I, I was listening to an interview with him at one point in time where it was shortly after Walking Dead TV show came out, and some woman had come up and asked him what he was working on next, and he starts talking about this idea that he had for a exorcism TV show, and like he was as he. 
tells the story is like he was kind of bullshitting the way you talk to your you know your friends who are working in the same industry and some like of that and so he didn't think about it well she had turned out to be a really big executive producer and said okay i'll buy it and so suddenly he had to like he just been bullshitting this idea and then he had to put together a comic book for it and then eventually came a tv show and like the tv show i've watched a couple episodes of and i i just haven't watched it because i don't have it's i think it's on it's on like showtime or cinemax i think You're talking about is it outcast outcast yeah has a kid from utah in it as a lead the guy from uh, Almost Famous, um, the, the kid who plays the uh, reporter. Anyway, actually, I'll, co- I'll go with that as my recommend. So it's, it's a good Halloween-type book. Um, it's a fun book. It's also Kirkman, uh, which we almost did Walking Dead this month and Outcast, but I kind of want to do just a full walk- like Robert Kirkman month at some point in time in the near future, so look forward to that. Um, Maya, do you have any recommendations? Not really comic-wise. I've been, I've been bad lately because I've been doing nothing but playing Destiny 2, so I guess I would, I would recommend Destiny 2. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, more of the same of the first one, just a lot better. Um, it's a lot more streamlined. It's a lot easier to, uh, to like gear up and, and get higher level. And it's, it's just been a blast. But I did want to bring up real quick, uh, cause you mentioned haunt, uh, the first six issues of that mm-hmm. were actually penciled by Greg Capullo and Ryan Otley from Invincible. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the six issues, uh, Capullo did it solo for a while until he went to go do Batman. So it's uh, if you like Greg Capullo's art from Batman or uh, Ryan Otley's art from Invincible, that's what you have to look forward to for, I think, like the first 18 issues or so. Yes, that will pretty much do it for this week. Next week, we are reading Severed. Sounds like, Adam, is this one your recommendation? Yeah, this is one I did. So uh, it's written by Scott Snyder, who uh, he did a really good run with Batman recently. But yeah, it's it's kind of a, more like a real-world type situation. Uh, it opens up in the early 20th century, like 1915, 16. Uh, and there's this young kid named Jack. He's 12 years old. And he's basically trying to go, uh, he finds out he's adopted and wants to go meet his father. Well, he kind of hooks up with this street-wise kid named Sam, and they go together, but they keep on running into this guy uh, named Mr. Alan Fisher, who we learned at the beginning is actually, his real name is Mr. Porter, and he's this guy with these really creepy, filed-down, spiky teeth, uh, who's abducting and killing kids. And he's, it kind of shows the story of they're trying to find his father, while at the same time trying to stay away from this guy who wants to kidnap and brutalize them and uh it's definitely a, a creepy creepy book so well we get to be creeped out next week so um that being said thanks for listening and uh we will see you all next week for creepiness in severed thanks everybody bye bye see ya for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.